Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast aimed at improving health, vitality and quality of life. Eating real food in a ketogenic lifestyle. I'm Jackie Fletcher and I'm based in the UK. And I'm Louise Reynolds, an Aussie currently based in Bangkok, Thailand. Each week we will be bringing you guests who share their stories and discuss a range of topics which we hope will improve your health and well-being. Many of the guests, like us, came to Keto for Weight Loss and have stayed for their well-being, numerous health benefits and because they are living their best lives. We hope you will be inspired to incorporate these ideas into your own health journey so that you can feel better than you ever have before. Thinking about starting keto? Take a listen to episode number two, What is Keto and How to Start? Welcome to episode 108 of the Fabulously Keto podcast. So today I'm interviewing Julia Tulipan, and Julia was introduced to me through Sarah Lindgren, who works for Anders Merman of Acetrack. Julia is very prolific in the German-speaking countries with her work on low-carbon keto. Julia also runs a podcast, and I've recorded with her for her listeners. So let me tell you a bit about Julia. Julia Tulipan is a biologist and nutritional scientist, blogger, author, speaker, entrepreneur, and science nerd. During her late 20s, she experienced severe health issues like back pain, depression, weight gain, and sleep problems, despite doing everything by the book. When Julia turned 30, she had reached a new low. That was the turning point in her health journey. This time, she decided to dig deeper into the original science. This led her to question the general dietary guidelines and on the path to reclaim her health. During the last eight years, Julia fought her way back and says about herself that she is now the healthiest she has ever been. As a coach, she now helps others on their path to health and well-being. She supports high-performing individuals in reaching their potential. She built one of the most popular German blogs about the low-carbon keto lifestyle. Together with her dear colleague, Daniel Pfeiffer, and LCHF Germany, they created the first certified keto coach training program. Besides her entrepreneurial endeavours, she is a scientist by heart. So let's go and listen to the interview with Julia. Welcome, Julia, to the Fabulously Keto podcast. It's fabulous to have you with us today. Thank you. Happy to be here. (laughs) And we always start with asking our guests, where in the world are you? I am in uh, Vienna, Austria. Ah, lovely. I've never been. I have been to Austria, but never to Vienna. So that must be beautiful. Yeah, it's a great city to live in. And it's, yeah, it's it's just wonderful. And you have to visit one time. I will. I'll let you know when I come. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us a little bit about your journey and how you came to low carb keto and you know, what led you there and all the things like that. Tell us a bit about your story. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of a, a long story, but probably for most of us it is. Um, let's, start, let's start with, yeah, I always was a, a healthy, lean, active child. And that kind of changed a bit when I started getting into puberty and the body changes and, and you start to, yeah, get some fat on some places you didn't have before. And 
And that was also the time I started to, yeah, look into nutrition and started my first diets, actually. So I've never been uh, overweight or something like that, maybe a bit chubby, yeah, mm-hmm. but nothing really to worry about. Yeah, But it was something that, that uh, yeah, bothered me. And so I started to look into different diets <laughs> and so it went on and off with some diets and actually I was kind of underweight until the yeah mid 20s maybe really? and yeah I, I really I really managed my weight just with calorie counting and a lot of exercise and I thought hey great it's working as it's supposed to should work and everything's fine uh, and in a when I when I start yeah with with twenty or so I started to develop problems with yeah my mood, with my mood with my mood I I wouldn't say it's depression but like depression like symptoms uh, I did not I did not think about that this would do, had, would have to do something with my with my diet no we we no. don't. We don't link how we feel with with so I went to the to the neurologist and they he gave me just an antidepressant that was his solution to the to the problem but I di- I never took it because I didn't want to take um, such a such a medication um and so so I had those mood swings those mood uh, problems then some other things developed like sleeping disorder I got really a uh, bad back pain so at one time so this is a, a this is a longer journey maybe uh, 5 to 10 years later so we are now end my end um, yeah late 20s beginning 30s yeah mm-hmm. I had chronic back pain, so I I had really trouble getting out of bed. I had to wrap my knee and help myself to get up. Yeah. And I took pain medication almost every day. I was still very active. I ran, I, I trained five times a, a week, um, Muay Thai, Thai boxing. Ah, yeah. Yeah, so it's a very, very... Um, intensive training and and then I, I would say my body broke completely so there was just one 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 moment one day yeah, I started to gain weight and and even though I ate just thousand calories a day so I was really good in calorie counting at the time yeah <laughs> um, I ate just a uh, thousand calories a day I trained though five times a week, uh, one and a half hour every day. So those five times a week. And, and I started to gain weight. Mm-hmm. I really, I, I fat re- really, I got chubbier and chubbier and I couldn't, I, I, f- I couldn't explain it. So that was the time I really thought there is something wrong with the advice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it takes us a long time to work that out. So what? Yeah. So you had the? De- did you still have the depression at this point, or the depression-like symptoms? Yes, yes. And still the back pain. Yes, I had the back pain. I had the depression. So how? And then you started to add on weight. What else was going on that that makes you say your body was broken? Yeah, 
just just the thing that it is so f until this point i could still manage my weight yeah. so that was the most important thing for me to be lean to be to have a six pack yeah even though i was miserable yeah i felt terrible um really i i, I wa didn't feel healthy even yeah. though everyone around me said, oh, you look good, you are lean, great, you can eat that because you are lean, you are thin. And all those positive reinforcement of the, of the fact that you are thin or lean um, is so powerful. And you think, and, and you define yourself just by, by that, by being lean and being, being thin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now, and and that's really really troublesome for me i think because um no one looks how you feel or or no one asks how you feel or how your your mental health is or how you're coping with your day yeah they just see your outside yeah and ever that's everything that counts and then you're working just to maintain that just to maintain that physical appearance appearance while inside yes everything's yeah. down around yeah. you yeah and and so it's probably around the time i'm 33 around yeah some somewhere 33 34 and then so i started to gain weight really really rapidly and and that was yeah it was really stressful because since i defined myself by being um lean and 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 <laughs> yeah and thin and now i'm i'm gaining weight i'm i'm really really uncomfortable in my in my skin and and that was the moment i really started to yeah to question the the status quo to to question the the narrative that it's just calories that count and that you have to avoid fats and at the time i still ate um I, st I still ate a lot of uh, soy and and gluten products, so I was a little for I, so, something I didn't mention was that I ate almost for, for fifteen years kind of vegetarian with maybe some some vegan faces, but we yeah. didn't know it's vegan at the time. <laughs> so I think that made might also had an impact on my health of of course yeah so you're chronically under eating and vegetarian definitely yeah really? and i had all the the bloating the <laughs> the gases the uh, stomach aches um so I, I sometimes i looked like i'm i'm pregnant because my my belly was just bloated uh, yeah but but still then i never questioned the the narrative that you need to have a lot of fibers and a lot of uh, those those um healthy whole grains <laughs> yeah yeah uh, it, it's infuriating isn't it that the messaging that we we've all received especially you know in the last 40 years we're all receiving the same messaging mostly through uh, advertising but also, you know, just from the doctors as well, it's coming down through those channels. It's just, it, it's really annoying. It's really yeah. annoying because we're just making people sicker and sicker. Definitely. They believe and they're doing the right thing. They believe that they're getting the right information. Yeah. 
all the books, all the magazines, all, all the information that was available to me at the time uh, reinforced the idea that you just need to count calories and you just need to have uh, your energy balance under control and then everything is fine. Yeah. And, and that's, um, that's really, yeah, troublesome. And as I said, there was this point when, when my body kind of stopped working completely. So you have this really long time of, of coping, uh, your body can really keep up with all the things you're throwing at him. And then there's just this, this point in time where all the mechanisms kind of break, break down. Yeah. And it took me. And it maybe it, I, I needed to be at the, in the in this place because this allowed me to yeah re rethink and and question the the idea of of calorie counting because I was until then I was thinking um, I'm doing everything right and if it not if it doesn't work it's my fault yeah yeah so I have to do something wrong obviously yeah uh, but then there was this this moment when i thought maybe so stop <laughs> that this can't be right there has to be something going on and maybe maybe i have to look at the literature really careful um really carefully and 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 what helped me is that i'm a biologist so i i know how the how cells work, how, how animals function and, and, and bodies function. So, um, that helped me to, to dive into really the, yeah, the deeper understanding of how animals get fed. Yeah. And if, if we know how animals get fed, I think it's fair to say that we also know how humans get fed. Yeah. yeah? And um, during my studies, I work, I also studied in animal husbandry. So I actually, I know a, a lot, I wouldn't say a lot, but I know something about how to fatten animals yeah? and how is, how our animals are um, fed and how we can kind of manipulate the food an animal gets to get the right outcome. And in animal husbandry or animal nutrition, no one talks about calories. They just talk about how is the amino acid composition, how many proteins and fats and carbohydrates are in there. And especially carbohydrates are known as the fattening part of the food for animals. Yeah. So that helped. Yeah, it was kind of really an epiphany if I started to look at at the kind of uh, yeah really the the primary science and and then from then on it was yeah a logical conclusion for me to to look more into ancestral health and what did we eat as hunter gatherers where we're coming from also this whole evolutionary side of things uh, which is also very prominent in if you study biology um evolution is kind of the basis of all uh all thinking so there is this um this quote by i i can't say his name 
he's a he's a biologist and he also got some i think he got a, a nobel prize and he said um nothing in biology makes sense except in the light of evolution and um that's kind of my really my motto since then yeah so so where did that lead you so you started to find out and make, and, and make sense of it all and how things are working so were you still vegetarian at this point um i was not really vegetarian but i ate not a lot of um yeah i tried to eat or tried to find um um grass-fed beef and you know sustainably raised or product from 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 sustainably raised animals and at the time it wasn't that prominent or easy to find as it at is it, it is it now yeah. and that's so there that's a good thing that there are a lot of um that there's something happening so i was but i would say i didn't have the main focus was not on proteins so and that's something i learned also i would say on the way during the last 10 years or so that that protein is really 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 the key nutrient yeah yeah so what so you did you then start so at this time when you were looking into it or did you start to make changes to your diet yeah so i i so i i started to to cut out the carbs and in, in during that time i wasn't ready to increase fat because i've avoided it for so long so i didn't kind of buy right to into the the idea of a higher fat diet but i but I was willing to try a kind of a low, low carb, low fat, high protein diet that helped a little bit, but still, um, it wasn't quite there. And then I, I read, um, Gary Taubes, yeah. good calories, bad calories, what, what I would consider one of the influential, most influential books ever written about <laughs> diet. Yeah. And this, it also spoke to me because it's really scientific. Yes. With a lot of, with, with a lot of scientific literature quoted. And that was what, yeah, was really helped me to believe in the idea. And then I started to increase my, my fat content. And from there on, it really developed. And so this was, yeah. But of course, it's a really long journey. So, yeah, yeah, we all start somewhere and then make our way along and do different things at different times as well. Yeah, yeah. But the one thing I want to mention because some people maybe are, you know, they are maybe hesitant to to change something and or they think they have to go one hundred percent and everything else doesn't matter or, or wouldn't have any any effect, but. In the beginning, I just, I just cut, I did just cut out um, grains. Yeah. Yeah. And that had an enormous impact on my mood. Yeah. And that changed, um, I would say, in, yeah, two weeks. Just, it took me just two weeks to really feel a difference in how I see the world. It was really, really strange. And this was also something my surroundings uh, <laughs> kind of re recognized or realized. And because I didn't tell my mother that I had or 
again changed my diet so you know if you're just, so if you're a diet nerd all your surroundings are, are kind of yeah pissed if you're talking about diet and now she the, she's already doing something new again yeah so if yeah, you're on the, yeah. Again. so and she she um so i had been off off grains off wheat for about two weeks and then we we met each other and she really said what's kind of what's wrong with you you're so happy <laughs> <laughs> what did you take no um but that that was one of the first changes and then i got rid of my back pain yeah so i think yeah wheat is wheat particularly i think all grains but wheat particularly affects our brain and um in the book wheat belly by william davis um he he shows it works for sugar as well but he shows the pictures of the brain and how cocaine affects it and alcohol affects it and the wheat does wheat and sugar do exactly the same thing they light up the same areas in the brain so they definitely have an effect in our brain yeah definitely and i think a really big part is inflammation yes yeah and we know that a lot of um yeah mental illnesses or mental disorders are also connected to inflammation yeah and uh, especially the, the depression so i think um yeah that was that was going on with my brain <laughs> yeah and i'm sure it's happening for lots of people and and quite often you know i think about you know how much mental health illness we have in the world today maybe it's just western world maybe it's just the uk i'm sure it's not but is just the fact that we're being told constantly to eat to eat grains you know that that's forms 60 percent of of our diet if you're following a standard western diet yeah that's really problematic and of course on the other side on the other hand uh, the lack of nutrients of essential nutrients so like all the amino acids like they're the best 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 source is still animal protein and if you look around what's going on with all the propaganda surrounding meat and animal products um that's really concerning especially if i look at yeah the the younger people the teenagers who are just really they, they really try to do the right thing for their future and they are cutting out all the meat and how it might influence their mental development and their yeah cognitive development yeah it's 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 very troubling it's i think we're going through a troubling time especially when you you see that effect that it's having and the amount of push there is to move away from meat and we know that you know meat is particularly red meat ruminant meat it's very nutrient dense so. definitely yeah it's it's one of the yeah um most nutrient dense foods out there and and uh, also ready, readily available nutrients so that's something um everyone seems to forget yeah i've really been making a, an effort recently to eat more red meat than you know we tend to eat a lot of chicken and pork as well mm. i'm really been pushing on eating the red meat prioritizing that 
and maybe not eating the chicken and the pork or mm. having as well to to really get the nutrients yeah definitely i'm i'm very lucky because we have a uh, a really good farmer um just 20 minutes away and he has um grass fed beef cattle yeah. and um also pigs roaming freely on on the on grassland so the, this is something really special and uh, we try to really use the whole animal so a nose to tail um approach to to our eating habits so we try to use all the organ meats and and bone broth and all this the good yeah. stuff <laughs> yeah yeah me too so then where did that journey lead you where where has it led you to today yeah so i would say today i'm i'm really one of the loudest voices at least loudest loudest voices in the uh, german speaking world um and advocating the ketogenic diet i'm i'm a partner i have partnered with a really wonderful woman ulrike gonda um she is also very well known in in germany and the whole um dach uh, area and we have together we have written a kind of a more and yeah expert book on on the ketogenic diet with uh it's called keto compass and um so we yeah we wanted to really put some good good information out there also for physicians and for other medical experts or, or people who are working in the in the medical field because um we felt that there is a need for for some something substantial with you know with really with scientific literature behind it and that was an amazon bestseller so we are really happy about that and i think we made some impact in the in the at least in the german speaking world and and I also, yeah, now I, I'm kind of, I see myself like uh, as a, as a educator, I try to help people to understand how the body works and how they can tweak their diet to work in favor for and help them to reach their goals. And um, the ketogenic diet might be, is, is a really good tool, but it's not necessarily, or it's not necessary for everyone. Yeah. So I try to give people um, the tools to decide wh how, yeah, which, which route they should go and what can they do to improve their health. Yeah. Yes. Because it's not everybody has to be low carb. You know, for some people, if they've built up such an intolerance to carbohydrates, then you know maybe they do have to be low carb or extremely low carb, but some people can get away with just being lower carb and having you know a reasonable amount of carbs and not and not suffer really. Yeah, and I think it and depends on where you are on that scale of health and metabolic disease. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So I think it's all it's very important to stress that there is an an individual approach to diet and that also your 
your personal needs might change over time. Yes. So in the beginning, you might be really insulin resistant, and then you need to be very low carb. But the more your, yeah, your insulin sensitivity comes back, the or or other health markers improve, you might be able to increase carbohydrates and or or expand your your culinary <laughs> world yeah. a little bit, and. Um, I think it's yeah that's that's an important message I think and that every every meal counts I think so there is not this uh you know you have to do it 100% or you can just let it or let it be but that there is that you, that you can have with every meal with every decision you're you're making you have the opportunity to to make the better decision yes yeah and yeah, um, that's all it needs to be is a better decision, a better choice. A better choice, yeah. yeah. And sometimes it, the better choice might be not eating the donut, but go for a, a little piece of chocolate, for example, yeah, or dark chocolate. It also, it all depends on, yeah, how kind of, what's your situation at the moment? Uh, how How is your energy, your, your kind of, your, your mental energy? How able are you to to um decide or, or, or yeah or um in what situation are you right now are you or uh, are you at home and do you have the opportunity or do you have the possibility to cook for yourself or are you in a nursing home or are you on the road so there are all those different situations and in all those different situations you can uh, make the better decision yeah yeah and i think what's different to this way of eating rather than to diets is that it's never ending it's an ongoing you know it's an ongoing journey and we know that we're gonna be this way for the most part for the rest of our lives but that doesn't mean we can't have something that's not such a good choice you know but there are consequences to that to making that choice but for you know for, i know for myself part of being able to eat something what i call off plan is the part that makes it sustainable for me so i don't do it all the time i don't go mad all the time i might just have something that's off plan every few weeks or whenever i feel like i want it but it doesn't mean i failed it doesn't mean I'm not a good person and it doesn't mean I'm going to put all the weight back on just because I've had this one thing or one meal or one day off plan. Yeah. And I think that's the difference because when I used to diet, we spoke about this before, when I used to diet, I would do it really well for two or three weeks and then I'd stop for whatever reason, you know, there's a party or there's a weekend and you stop and you think to yourself, I'll get back to it on Monday, but you never do. Well, mm. I never did because I just couldn't. I just couldn't go back to it because it was so horrendous being, <laughs> being in that on that diet that, you know, why would I want to go back to that? So, but this isn't horrendous to be on. It's, you know, no. it's, it's good you're eating lovely food. So you just keep eating lovely food. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, I have to say it's uh, eating has never been so so kind of intuitive 
from so before I, I I changed my diet, I always had to second guess what I'm eating. Is it okay? Do I have enough calories left? Yeah, how many calories are there, and will I be hungry the rest of the day? Yeah, so it's um, so it's it's all all the time your your mental energy is is occupied with with thinking about your diet and that's something um opponents of low carb or keto don't understand they think they think it is restrictive but it's on the contrary it gives you a kind of freedom i have never experienced before i i totally agree with that yeah and that's uh and that's a feeling you you can't describe describe this that this feeling if you haven't felt it before yeah so and and um just be able to trust your body and um trust that you're about to stop if if you are satiated and that there is something like satiety and not just fullness yeah yeah so this is so yeah just liberating yeah I, I know the other week I we had some pork belly, which is very fatty, and I was really, really hungry. And then I normally only eat maybe three slices, possibly four, but I thought I'm going to eat loads, but I, could, I couldn't. <laughs> I, couldn't. <laughs> I think I only ate three, and then it's like, All right, okay, I'm I'm done now. Um, but before you know, when I went to the to put it on my plate, I was really, really hungry. But yeah, it. Mm. it it's so different. And I think you sort of, in the old way of living, you'd wake up and have breakfast and straight away you're wondering what you're going to have for lunch. Even if, you, even if you're not counting calories, you're starting to think about what you're going to have for lunch. And then, you know, what's for supper? And for me, what one big thing was, is there enough food? I, was re I would really panic if I thought either I was – wouldn't be able to get a meal or they looked like there wouldn't be enough. And I still have that a little bit going on, but I can calm myself by telling myself, you know, you can go days without eating. It's not a problem if there's not enough food, but that is still there in part, but I just, I don't eat anywhere near enough. And I don't have that, like you say, that mental energy of constantly, constantly thinking about food. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you eat now? What's what's your day look like? Um kind of boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe. <laughs> so I I usually have some so coffee with cream in the morning and then I I think I have a a late breakfast around it depends around 9 or 10 a.m mostly it's eggs <laughs> in yep. all, all different kind of variations yeah um, um sometimes i add some some a cucumber or a tomato or something like that yeah yeah and that's and then i have a, a a late yeah lunch around two or yeah between two or three PM mm -hmm. and and that's it kind of so so I always have uh, animal based protein in my yeah. meals yeah every day with every meal because otherwise I can't get in enough protein 
this this is the only thing I'm struggling with is really getting my protein because yeah it's very it's satiating if you eat only two main meals per day so I sometimes add a, a protein shake to, just to get my protein in and yeah maybe I have a Greek yogurt with a bit of you know roasted nuts or something like that in the in the evening or as a as a little you know as a dessert or something like that but yeah. that's it I, I I don't have snacks really it depends sometimes if I'm really hungry and if I'm more active so if I train more I am also more hungry mm-hmm. so and then I may maybe add some nuts or a piece of dark chocolate or something like that. Yeah. So are you still doing your Thai boxing? No, not anymore. <laughs> but uh, I'm doing um, CrossFit or just uh, classic weight, weight, lifting weights. This is also, a, I would say, it's kind of an ancestral movement pattern. Yes. Lifting yeah. overhead, lifting something from the ground, doing squats just just the big movements and, and that's that's really enough yeah sometimes yeah. i go for a run or I, I love to do those obstacle races so <laughs> i don't know if you if you have them in the uk i think so so there's the spartan race where you you know you have to run 20 kilometers or 16 kilometers and have i don't know it's 10 obstacles or so and that's that's something i really enjoy yeah. Do you know what? I think I would enjoy that. It's just that I cannot, I'm still overweight and I cannot pull my body up. So um, I'm still working on, you know, pulling, pulling, yeah. pulling myself up and things like that. So I've still got some, some work to do to get fit. Yeah. But the good thing is you can, you can also run as a team and then you can help each other. And there's, um, yeah, it's really kind of a, a team effort and everyone is, getting through and that you don't have to run 12 kilometers the, the the shortest one is five kilometers and you can even walk so no excuses <laughs> i still think i need to be a bit fitter <laughs> so tell us about the um paper that you've been writing oh so i i have written a paper um as a part of my master's master's thesis it's uh about and it was published in, I think it was spring 2020. So, but I have a, have to look it up and I can can send you a link to it. It was published in Frontiers in Nutrition. It's a, kind of a, a good journal. And it was about the, we were looking at influence, so factors that are influencing the, the implementation of a ketogenic diet in cancer patients. So it was a questionnaire and we had around, uh, yeah, we had 94 participants filling out that questionnaire and all of them had to had cancer, of course, and they had to uh, follow a ketogenic or low carb diet during or after the initial treatment. And we were interested in, um, so what influenced the, the implementation also like uh, social factors, um, support from friends, family, doctors, um, how did they find 
information where did they get the information from and we looked we also looked at um things like quality of life and i think that's the most important finding from the study that we had really significant improvement in quality of life yeah yeah and i i would say or i would argue that even um we can set aside the discussion if if or if not the ketogenic diet positively influences tumor growth or not but if i still have some i don't know some um tool to improve my quality of life that's still uh very important and and impactful yeah so did you did you find any links with tumor growth um since we it was just a questionnaire and we didn't have access to the actual medical data mm-hmm. this this was it was not the the aim of the study so we couldn't say anything about that right uh, but we had and so we had a few uh, tumors with usually they have a low survival rate but they uh, lived longer than it would have been expected but still it's just uh, this this is not significant but the most important part was the is it is it doable is it feasible um does it influence quality of life and also weight because that's also a concern from physicians if you uh, if you follow a ketogenic diet as a cancer patient they are afraid that you will lose a lot of weight so they are afraid of cachexia so what did and, what did you find with that did you- um we found that it the ketogenic diet kind of modulated weight so those who needed to lose weight because overweight is also a risk factor for um so it it worsens the outcomes of uh, the outcome of of the of the illness so for some it's good to lose a little bit of weight um so those who needed to lose weight lost weight those who were not already at a normal weight uh maintained their weight and those who were underweight gained weight yeah so and that's yeah in in concert actually with all other findings looking into the question if there is a negative or what's the impact of the ketogenic diet on on weight in cancer patients yeah i tend to think when you're giving the body the right nutrients your body knows what to do it's not going to let you waste away yeah it's not going to make you lose weight if you don't need to lose weight yeah i think yeah, we, gonna... yeah, we know from from weight loss studies actually that the, that being in ketosis helps you to retain or or um yeah lean body mass yeah so i think so it's it's protect it's protecting muscle mass it's protecting um lean body mass uh so that's that might help and also in if we ask about quality of life and how the ketogenic diet effect affected um side effects from chemotherapy chemotherapy uh there was a tendency that it positively um sorry so it it mitigated the negative effects of the chemotherapy so this might also be or might also have a positive effect on weight of course so if i'm not feeling sick or if i'm feeling uh unco- yeah unhealthy or if i'm i'm or sick all the time i can't eat yeah so um 
we interviewed um, Dr. Jim Waller in episode 93, and he was a colorectal surgeon. And he said he advised patients to particularly fast through their chemotherapy sessions um, to have less worse effects and mm -hmm. for the chemo to have more of effect where it needed to do. Yeah. Um, um, have you heard of Martha Tettenborn? She, no. She wrote a book called Hacking Chemo. Mm, no. Um, so that's episode 102. So she she was low-carb keto before she got her cancer diagnosis, but she just fasted for three days every chemo um, cycle that she had to mitigate some of those responses that she was going to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. It would be really interesting to get some good studies done on yeah on but you know how it is with uh yeah, yeah with human no. studies it's it's really really difficult and that's why we only have data most of the time we have data from yeah pa patients yeah. who are already at the end of their journey yeah so to speak and and yeah so what are you doing now how do you how do you help people now so I'm I'm working with clients as a health coach. I do one-on-one -on -one coaching as well as uh, I have some some online programs, which is really helpful because some info, you know, you don't need to tell someone in a one-on-one -on -one coaching about carbohydrates or, or just the basics. So my approach is I have online courses which are kind of support. So they my clients get all a lot of information about nutrients about um, sugar alternatives about um, the calorie idea and so on and and then when we have built kind of a basic knowledge we have uh, a one of one-on-one -on -one call and then i like to yeah really look into the personalization of things and and give my clients i believe in giving them the tools to do it for themselves and and i think it's really important to understand the mechanisms and not just because doing something because i i said so yeah, yeah. um and that's that's my approach and so i'm having my my yeah coaching business but then i also do a lot of you know seminars for even for lay people, but also for medical personnel, for people in health professionals, other other health professionals, and um, yeah, I'm just trying to get the get the message out there and talking to everyone who wants to hear it. Yeah, <laughs> and of course, yeah, writing some books. So I had the keto compass mentioned in the beginning, and then um, also wrote another book, which is more targeted to the yeah lay audience to the not to to health professionals excellent are both of that they're both in german are they they're both in german yes yeah so they haven't been translated yet <laughs> no no <laughs> there's so there's so many uh, there are so many good books in in mm -hmm. english available uh, but there yeah but i felt there was a need for a german book so that's why i i i published those and the second book it's actually more like uh you know like a question and answer 
kind of book. So I have gathered all the questions I got over the past, I don't know, six, seven years. And because some questions are popping up regularly. So yeah. those are the, the questions everyone has. And um, if, yeah, if you answer those questions, you, you're kind of uh, covering the basis. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good. So you've got an event coming up soon. Why don't you tell our listeners about it? Uh, I'd love to. So we are we are having a really good event, cool event uh, coming up. And if I say we, I mean a colleague of mine. She's a dietitian from Innsbruck. It's in Tyrolian, and um, it's a keto retreat in Lower Austria. And it's three days or five days, wow. and you're spending your whole day. At the, in the hotel it's a really wonderful spa so a lot of wellness and on uh, during the mornings we have uh, a seminar so we're talking about the ketogenic diet and how to implement it and how to personalize it and, and then we get a wonderful keto uh yeah keto food there as well and it's yeah we are hosting it. I think it's in, so it's in November and I, not, I didn't mention the, the date. It's the 13th uh, till the 19th of November. Mm -hmm. And you can, you can, so it's, it's like a beginner's part and an expert part. So you can split it or you can be there the whole week and then just enjoy the, the wonderful nature and the wellness. So the, the spa environment and, good food and start or restart ketosis <laughs> sounds fabulous shame my german is not that good <laughs> so um how can people book um they would find it on my website it's uh, just my name it's julia tulipan.com slash keto minus retreat or if they look at just at, on my website where I have my offerings, they find it in the menu above. So it's really easy to find. And if they don't find it, they can just reach out and I tell them where to find it. Excellent. So before we come on to you sharing all your details in your social media things, is there anything else we haven't mentioned that you wanted to mention today? No, I think we have covered quite, quite, a, quite a bit. Yeah. Great. So tell people how they can contact you, connect with you. So they would find me so on the internet, on my website, it's juliatulipan.com. So really, really easy to, <laughs> um, to find. I also have a, a Instagram account. It's paleolc. Okay. It's from another time and I haven't changed my handle yet, but... <laughs> Um, you find me there and you also, you can also find me on YouTube, um, just also Google my, or, or put in my name and then you'll find my channel where I publish a lot of nice interviews with experts like yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, it's mostly in German. Uh, I did have a few English speaking guests, but usually it's in German and yeah, this would be this would be the places to look out for me. Excellent. So we'll put all those links in the show notes so people can 
easily just click through if they want to. So we always finish off with tell us your three top tips. My three top tips. <laughs> Great. Um, so rubbing our hands at that one. Yes, I'm rubbing my hands. So uh, don't be afraid. Uh, I think that's the most important one. Um, there, there's nothing that can go wrong. Um, you can just try it. And if you decide, so you can just try the ketogenic diet or, or if you're not there yet, cutting out carbs. And if you decide it's not for you, it's good. No one will judge you <laughs> and, and nothing happened. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, then if it's don't overcomplicate things. Yeah. So I would recommend to just start with a list of foods. There are a lot of good um, low carb or keto food lists out there. Um, start with those lists. Um, you don't need to necessarily track anything or or do finger pricking or anything. Just just take it slow. Start with the safe foods and work your way. Um, yeah. From there on, you can start to personalize if you have, if you got kind of in the, in the, in the, if you, if you have figured it out how it works for you. And if you have your food stuff that you are usually eating and uh, if you have built up a habit around that. Yeah. yeah. And maybe, and the last and maybe most important part is, uh, focus on protein. Yeah, we're hearing that's, so much. <laughs> that's um, so we are so used to talk about carbs and fats. So that sometimes the the most important nutrient of all, the protein, got gets lost kind of in the in the conversation. And some are even still afraid of eating too much protein. And um, in my experience. 99% of my clients are eating too little protein. And the moment we are increasing the protein, a lot of things change like uh, weight loss plateaus, um, um, sleeping difficulties, energy, so so kind of fatigue or, or problems with your energy levels. And I would, I the minimum where I start is uh, 1.5 grams of protein per kilogram of yeah. body weight. Yeah. So I think it's per pound. I don't know. It's uh, two grams per pound. Then I think it's about double. Um, no, half. 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 Oh, yeah, half. Yeah. So, and is that their current weight or, or their le what they want to be? So it's it's uh, for people who are overweight. It's the the real actual current weight. Yeah. The for people for someone who is normal weight, of course, their their weight, and who for someone who is underweight, the desired weight or the normal weight where they want to be. Yeah. Do you have? Do you? Um, we're going a bit off track here because you're saying focus on protein, and I and I interrupted you, so I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to say about that. Do you find you come across people that really, really struggle to increase their protein? Um, do you, do you um, talk about the, the, the quantities or because their their body reacts in some 
because yeah the the quantities so there are people that say i don't really like meat i don't want to eat that much so they're still in this small mentality i think small amount yeah. portion uh, small uh, amounts of protein and to the point where their body just in a way they can't physically face eating it yeah um that's actually that that is a problem um and that the, the way i try to kind of tackle that or go around i if it's possible or if they can't eat their protein so then it's okay to use protein shakes it's sometimes it's easier or collagen mm -hmm. because collagen is kind of you know it's really neutral taste wise you can put it even in a in a um, vegetable soup so you can increase your the protein content of of everything around kind of yeah and it's it doesn't taste so it's not that protein kind of feeling so if there are a lot of people who really struggle with eating a lot of meat or a lot of animal products as well so so i try to use um so then i would suggest to eat the whey protein the collagen or even essential amino acids yeah and just put them in yeah other food and if someone there are some people if if you haven't if you if you have restricted protein for a long time and um especially if you're older uh, your your um gastric acid will is is um too it's it's too too high yeah okay. so your i guess your acid so your gastric fluid should be very ph wise very low it it should be oh uh, yeah so acidic. more acidic yeah acidic yeah, yeah. so it's a, it's a low ph but um for a lot of a lot of people have uh, their ph is too high yes Agreed. And that is interfering with protein digestion. And that's actually really a problem. And those are the people who say, oh, I can't eat meat because it's it feels like it's it's uh, lying there in my stomach forever. It feels like a stone or they have um, those really stinky farts. <laughs> so it's like, you know, like like eggs and yeah. stuff so so this is uh yeah that's not a good sign that that shouldn't be there so it farts shouldn't you smell like that yeah and you should be able to digest protein and if those things are there then this is a good sign that there is something wrong with digestion or absorption yeah yeah and i think again mis misinformation is people are told that their stomach is too acidic and they have to dampen down that acidity but actually it's supposed to be acidic it's supposed to be yeah. really really acidic um like wolves or dogs so we should be eating lots of lots of meat um, yeah fish you know whatever i i say meat and you know you could include animal products you could include fish with that um brilliant thank you very much <laughs> happy i am uh, yeah it was great to be be there um i hope i could yeah help someone gave some new ideas maybe yeah 
that I, I hope I could kind of spark the maybe the, the, the yeah, the will to change something or to try it or to look yeah. into it. Absolutely. Like you said, don't be afraid to, to try something. Just just give it a go and see how you feel. You know, you said within two weeks of taking out wheat, you felt much better. So if somebody gave it two weeks, you know, how different would they feel be? Be interesting. Mm -hmm. Right. Thank you. Thank you. When Julia spoke about exercising hard five times a week on a thousand calories, it didn't surprise me that her body was broken. I never tried to outrun a bad diet. I didn't try and run anything, in fact. But so many people do. And whilst it seems to work for a while, there comes a point when the body can no longer cope. Unfortunately, some people cannot even recover from when they their body is broken. They, they cannot get back to regain their health or it takes a very long time. As a primal health coach, one of my jobs is to ensure that my clients do not over-exercise and often it's about slowing down or doing less and this can sometimes be a challenge and hence the need for a coach to help coach them through it. I did mention also in the podcast about the two other episodes that talk about cancer. So for a long time we've hardly had cancer mentioned in the podcast at all and in the last three months we've had three episodes talking about cancer so i love to i love to see that there is things that we can do with low carbon keto that can help with cancer you know we had uh, martha tettenborn who was helping people through chemo so i think there's lots to be done and lots to explore and lots to try for people that do have cancer and I'm sure and I know people that even though they're low carb or keto have had cancer diagnosis, but hopefully they've been much healthier and much a more able to cope with it than they otherwise might have been. And, you know, there's so many causes. Who knows what the cause was? One of the things I found out after we'd finished recording um, so Julia and Julia didn't mention in the podcast is that she has a range of food products. So if you'd like to take a look at that, it's tulipans.com. Julia is looking for small or medium sized retailers and online stores in the UK who would be able to stock her products. Anyway, the link is in the show notes. So it's tulipans.com. Also, her retreat in November, just to remind you about that, is the 13th to the 19th of November for German speakers. And I'm sure even if you're here in the UK, um, other countries around the world, you know, maybe you can make it to Austria if you speak German. So that is juliatulipan.com forward slash keto hyphen retreat. Again, the links in the show notes. Also in the show notes are the links to Julia's research papers. So head on over to the show notes if you need any of the links and if you haven't already joined our facebook group then just search for fabulously keto in facebook groups and come over and join us hope to see you there that's all for this week thanks
It would be great if you could support us through Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash fabulously keto and you can choose the monthly amount you wish. Can you recommend a guest we can interview? If you can, click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation. Would you like to join our Facebook group? Search for Fabulously Keto on Facebook. Our Facebook page is called Fabulously Keto and you can follow us there. Or you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, Fabulously Keto 1. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post using the handle Fabulously Keto 1 and the hashtag TFKP. All the links are on the website and in the show notes. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, click the subscribe button. Reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners. Please leave a review of our show on your preferred podcast listening platform. We appreciate you taking the time and read them all. Disclaimer. The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast can be taken as advice. Whether our guests are doctors, healthcare professionals or not, they're only sharing their own opinions and stories and this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. It's always best to seek professional medical advice should you wish to make any changes to your current medication or treatments. Also speak to your own doctor if you have any concerns about your health or you wish to make lifestyle changes, especially if you're taking medication.